Hello, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of our weekly Friday market update. Every Friday at 12 o'clock Pacific time, I do a live stream looking at all the different headline articles that can impact the Bay Area real estate market and also what is going on across the country. And of course, if you or anyone you know is actively searching for properties, considering to do a trade up for a bigger home or looking to sell your home for another location, I would love to help. This week was a fantastic week for me personally. I've helped two clients that I've been working with for several months uh, get into contracts. So super exciting. One of them, we beat out four offers. And the other one, we beat out nine offers in San Jose and in Fremont. So really, really happy for them. They're, yeah, they're going to be super excited once they move in in about a, in about a month time frame. And uh, uh, just kind of moving on forward. So we got several different... Uh, articles that I wanted to go over this time. Most of it's going to be what's going on in the Bay Area. Uh, there's not too much activity from the general country headline articles when it comes to real estate, and I'll, I'll go over why. But a few things happening in the Bay Area. For many of you that are familiar of the Peninsula side, you may have noticed several huge buildings in Burlingame. And um, it's basically east of 101. And these buildings are actually developed and bought by a Shenzhen China-based developer, but it's also leased to Facebook. And that's actually more importantly where their Oculus division is. This is a 12 and a half year lease and which actually started in August 1st, 2020. It's currently just being fitted right now. As I mentioned, the big tech companies are using this as an opportunity to leverage um, where they feel like there's a lot of blood on the streets right now when it comes to commercial real estate. So they're still moving fast. They're still moving forward. They still see real estate space as a critical part about attraction and also a critical part about how they will uh, do well moving forward. And so very interesting to see. So the way that these typical projects work, and it actually works on a small scale too, when it comes to like, if you wanted to build out your own home, people first start off with buying the land, which will have a different loan uh, profile to it. Then people go through a construction loan. So they're actually building up the place. And then once they have a tenant in place, in this case, they have Facebook, then they will typically refinance to get that loan out. Uh, now, the refinance can be done with just a big bank. It can be done with a bank, or it can also be done with other people. So they can sell this product to investors that want to participate in one of the strongest tenant profiles that you can possibly have, which is Facebook. And so that's what they're going through right now. So as you can see, they're retiring a $515 million construction finance, and then they're going to do the rest of the debt as they redo the refinance for outside investors. I don't think it's uh, people like you and myself can participate, but it's, it's more for like funds and things like that. Either way, it's very important to understand like this is a 803,000 square foot property uh, that are clearly class A. These are really, really nice properties. If you've ever driven by and was curious what it is, I think you can actually see this Keeley uh, sign outside uh, or this out on the on the top of the building. They haven't put anything related to Facebook. So only the people that either listen to this show now or the people that followed along what was actually happening knew about this massive project. That is right by the waters. So really interesting to see. Uh, other news. So TMG Partners, uh, which is a large develop developer firm actually in San Francisco, acquires the future Oakland 
PG&E headquarters. So for many of you know, that know, I've actually worked with PG&E as a client uh, when I was in corporate real estate technology. And so they have a huge campus right in, I think right on, I think it's on market, just prime location in San Francisco, but they've been moving out for a while. They have like a big office, like in San Ramon, San Ramon there, they have the Chevron uh, headquarters. So they have a big campus there. They have campuses kind of all over, but they are, have been moving uh, to Oakland and will be uh, opening up that site. Um, and not, I don't think in, in a much distant future, you can see this space that the PG&E is using is about 975,000 square foot of space. And so TMG partners feel like this is a great tenant. So they actually bought that building itself from the previous uh, developers and previous partners. But it also gives you an idea of just the, the, the flow out. I mean, Oakland is a huge benefactor of the downturn of San Francisco. Now, I think San Francisco is a wonderful place. There will be a time where people will go back, but the momentum is not you know, there at this given time. But Oakland has done phenomenally well uh, with people just moving across, especially it's much, it's significantly much less and also has all sorts of fantastic options in different communities to live in in Oakland. I have several clients looking out there. So really interesting to see these large developers making uh, still their bets in these acquisitions. So what's really important for me as I look through um, my thesis when it comes to real estate is what is, how are these big companies actually playing this game? Right, we see all this kind of BS, quite frankly, of people leaving oh, Silicon Valley for good. This is Exodus. Well, the question is, why are prices still what they are, not just increasing, actually more than most places across the US? But what are these big companies doing at this time, which does not catch very many headlines? The only way I find these news is basically doing searches on uh, like Google News. But these are not like big headline articles that you are typically reading or watching on CNBC. So I want to show you what's actually happening because this will be a very material impact um, down the line. So next, Silicon Valley office markets show resilience during COVID-19 pandemic. So this gives you an idea, like the Bay Area in itself has done phenomenally well uh, in this time, given uh, the heavy focus in tech. However, the markets of San Francisco and the markets of Silicon Valley, which are not the same, are drastically different in terms of the type of companies that are typically attracted and the, the demographics that choose to live in one area or the other. So San Francisco has done a phenomenal job, especially over the last 12 years, of being basically the startup hub of the, not just a country, but potentially of the world. You can argue places in China are also just as big. However, it's been a huge, it's been a huge driver for the desirability, but also property prices. However, the risk is those are usually smaller companies. They're much more at risk to potential downturns. And they tend to right now have an idea of being more flexible when it comes to the office work environment, which puts a lot of pressure on San Francisco. However, Silicon Valley, on the other hand, and I've been going through this every single Friday, you, you see basically some sort of news from a big tech company every Friday about corporate real estate, they are much more cash rich. I mean, look at their balance sheets. I know Google, Facebook, these companies just made their earnings report this week. 
phenomenal as usual, just incredible what they're doing. And they are still very bullish about these local markets and they're still buying and building corporate real estate. So the very, very different dichotomy uh, of what is actually happening in terms of how they are playing their game. So just something to be aware of. It will be interesting, especially for San Francisco to see how they actually play out when it comes to offices. Now, make no mistake, my last week I did a, a post that Google is also expanding in uh, San Francisco. They've always been in San Francisco, but they've also added additional space. Not the same as the corporate campuses down here, but still, uh, still they will still continue to buy. And so the big tech companies will continue to expand in San Francisco, especially as prices are cheap now for them. Uh, but at the same time, San Francisco will have uh, much larger problems moving forward, depending on how these smaller to medium-sized companies continue to react. So now related to the market itself, pending home sales fell in September, but annual gain is the most important metric. I mean, of course, the um, the year-over-year gain has been incredible, right? I mean, for several different reasons, the record low interest rates, the fundamental need for more space. So like small little units, like one bedroom, their studios are doing very, very poorly today. Uh, but single family houses are doing as as good as it has ever been. And at the same time, um, the flexibility of where you want to live is certainly now different, right? If you're spending the same amount of money on rent in San Francisco, you can easily buy a home for between like 800,000 to $1.2 million with the same monthly payments. So that's how stacked, like how much it has changed those drastically when it comes to low interest rates. So pending home sales fell in September. I'm not too surprised with that. I think a combination has to do with we are getting into the seasonality aspects. I have a post actually on Tuesday related to election. It's, it's election Tuesday. And I have a post about like, does the election actually impact the real estate market? And uh, you may be surprised with the answer, and I'll show you different data points as to what usually happens during the election time. But in general, we are going to be experiencing seasonality, the standard holiday, standard winter time frame as to when people decide to sell um, and people just have more communal events. Even in this time, a lot there's still families getting together. I'll show you the data itself. You can see that the number of listings is slowing down, which would mean the opportunity to go pending will also be lower. I mean, you, you can only buy what's available to buy. And so you'll, you'll, you'll see yourself uh, once we get to the data. Um, another news, Zillow offers cuts 80 jobs, cites realignment. So Zillow is clearly one of the, the biggest uh, consumer interfaces when it comes to finding properties. You have Zillow, you have Redfin, you have Truly, which is owned by Zillow. And then that's pretty much it. You have obviously some smaller ones like Realtor.com as well but it's much smaller compared to them. And though I did release my, uh, I did just recently release my newest website. So you can take a look at properties there. And that way my website at least does not sell your information. That's how these business models work for these other companies. Nevertheless, I digress, but Zillow has a arm, which is called Zillow offers. And so for those that are not familiar with offers, this is a iBuyer program. Now, there are many iBuyers out there, and the largest is Open Door, which I made a video a couple of weeks back about how the models works and their, their opportunity and challenges moving forward. But with Zillow offers, they came really late to the game. And a lot of people did not, they think it's just simple where, oh, wait, okay, this 
company that's you know multi-billion dollar company can just all of a sudden go into markets and start buying up properties and selling them and then make a giant business model and then we're gonna we're gonna end the realtor you know we're gonna end the realtor career or end realtor industry altogether which is definitely not the case the the tricky part of what they're doing is they're basically carrying the balance because they're they're basically carrying the balance sheet of owning the homes so if you think about their model it's no different than if you bought a house you had to buy a house and then you flipped it but in this case you flip it for a margin of seven percent something really really low single digit margins and so you're really banking that you're going to be able to buy it at a good price do the renovations to make the value out and then sell it still at a premium that that works which is very very difficult so you would definitely if, you are, if i were you if you want to look at this business model you should take a look at the zillow offers and see how many properties that they are holding on to today they're it's a they're competing with other i buyers they're not competing with realtors per se they're competing with an open door in these companies and so open door has a huge advantage because they have way more data sets when it comes to this particular space of flipping homes so it's a very competitive market actually between themselves and then for them to make the margins work, it's not as easy as one may think. Hence why they've cut 80 jobs. And think about it, right? We are at the an incredible time when it comes to the real estate market across the country, records. And they're still cutting at this time. So it shows bigger problems that uh, now are just starting to get revealed um, of that ability for them to be an iBuyer. So I'm definitely not very bullish with Zillow when it comes to their iBuyer program. And they, so for some of you that may know, they also recently announced that they're gonna be a broker now, a brokerage. So they would either hire agents or partner with agents. However, that's nothing new. Redfin has been doing that for a long time. So I'm not too, quite frankly, worried about that either. Um, there's inherent problems of hiring anyone decent when it comes to agents. Um, from a salary perspective and hence Redfin has had that challenge, but it does open up those other opportunities. And so it's just something to be aware of, of how Zillow has pivoted their business. Now, next luxury housing market inspires total frenzy in vacation boom towns. I mean, what's incredible is this, most people that are buying these vacation homes, these are not their primary homes, right? That's why it's a vacation home. But the income that people make, especially here in the Bay area is still very high. They have not lost their jobs. If not, if anything, they've continued to earn more money than ever before, especially with how high the stocks have been over the last couple of months. And so what does this mean? It means a lot of the areas that actually have pretty finite resources, like a Lake Tahoe or like a Santa Cruz, uh, these type of areas which are further away, right, from the Bay Area as an example, but are very, very nice places to either spend some time or have a vacation at, uh, will have this influx of people that have a lot of money, right? Those price points are far less than what it is in the Bay Area. And so what, what causes the frenzy is this. If you had the money and you were buying another property, like as a secondary property, the last thing you want to do is spend a lot of time, especially you don't really live there, to go every weekend like you would for buying a primary property, right? If you're buying a primary property, you're here, you're seeing every weekend, you want to find the right house for you. For there, it's kind of like, okay, this is a nice house, but I want to make sure I win it so I don't have to keep coming back every week, right? And so what's really interesting is that for because of that reason, they are more prone to 
just being very aggressive from the beginning to just try to land it and get it over with. This has happened actually a few months ago in Contra Costa, Contra Costa County. So a lot of places like a Brentwood, um, I mean, that, that whole area itself, which are like sub-million dollar homes, very nice homes, huge homes, uh, had that phenomenon because people were like, hey, look, people, these are people from San Francisco as a city. I want to buy it here, uh, but I also don't want to spend too much time looking. So let's just buy here. You know, who cares if it's an extra $100,000 from a loan perspective? It means nothing. I'd rather just save this time, buy it, move on with my life, and move on in a month. So really important to see, especially as uh, these vacation towns experience this, because it's a very different thought process when it comes to buying um, a primary home where you can spend the time in weeks, if not months, to look at homes. So that's what I found there, which is really fascinating. Now, let's take a look at the data itself. So here's first San Mateo County. Let's see what's going on with San Mateo County. San Mateo County, I mean, look at this drop of new listings. I mean, that's the problem when we get into the holidays. It is significantly less properties to choose from. 133 properties. Total contingent pending, 174. Look at this imbalance. The imbalance of 41 properties is the most it has been, period. Maybe through this end of uh, kind of early March, which at that point was a very, very, very hot market. But even now, this is the same imbalance as it was at that time. So it will be interesting to see how what happens with prices moving forward. Um, but it's going to be tough for a lot of people that are actively looking, right? So people that are actively looking here in the Bay Area, it will be difficult uh, to find property. So my suggestion is don't give up because these 133, you just never know. The one that, that fits your criteria, your budget, your city may show up and other people may give up at this time. So if you're not going on a trip to Hawaii or something or going international, if they even let you in, um, you know, Keep an, keep an active eye out, like be ready because you also don't know, but also you're going to be even more patient. If you thought it was hard before, the inventory now levels have dropped. What is that by like 20, 25%? So you're going to have to be even more patient than before. So something to be aware of. Property prices, October, we are at about $2.05 million in terms of the average single family home price in San Mateo County, which is a decline over the last several months. I suspect... So as, you, as I brought up last week, it was a little bit higher than the numbers that were uh, month to date of last week, but it, so it got a little bit higher. I suspect this number will be relatively consistent, um, maybe drop a little bit slightly. You have to also remember, typically in the holiday seasons, you have to think about the people that are selling. There's not as many people selling, but why are they selling, right? So they may it may be a condition of a house that many require work. So it'd be good for those buyers that are willing to do that kind of work. But just keep in mind, there's just a lot less to choose from. And usually the best properties will happen in the spring and the fall. Now related to condos, townhomes, uh, nothing, nothing really special, relatively flat. As you can see, October was a little bit higher than before. There's no decline for condos or townhomes. Let's look at Santa Clara County, Santa Clara County, same thing, decline of new listings, right? 378 higher contingent and pending then uh, new listings, we're at 416. Let's look at the charts. Look at the charts. Um, you can see it's actually for, for residential. Oh, sorry, I have the wrong thing here. 
All right, I'm gonna have to update that. Sorry guys, for residential single family. But single family wise, this is what it was last week. I suspect it's gonna be about the same. Condos, townhomes, same story, right? I mean, a slight increase, but nothing, nothing very drastic. Alameda County. So Alameda County, and this uh, ties in perfectly with Mike I9. Thank you for tuning in. Let me talk about this, and then we'll talk about Union City and the East Bay. So Alameda County uh, condos and town uh, single family. You can see just incredible increases in terms of prices, right? I mean, this is a huge jump in Alameda County. And this is also has several reasons. A lot of people, as I mentioned, from San Francisco are moving to the East Bay. Not just San Francisco, even San Mateo County, right? We looked at the numbers, $2 million average for a single family uh, residential house. But then if you go to Alameda, even today, even at the current prices, let's say it's 1.3 million, it's actually a really big, much bigger house for that 1.3 million because the price per square foot is also much lower. So you got a combination of a much bigger house, also a combination of um, a much lower price point. Obviously, Alameda County is certainly not the same as San Mateo County as its own dynamics for sure. But uh, for those that are considering, maybe if they own like a condo, they may be considering a single family house in Alameda County. Condos, townhomes, you can see relatively flat. Same story as most of the other counties. So Mike, I let me love to address yours. What do you think of the Union City in the East Bay? I think it's a really, really good location because of just the proximity of the highway. You may notice though that the traffic, I mean, there is nothing, there's very little open from a tech job perspective of people going in. Biotech has been going back to work. Um, you know, hospitals and things like that have always been going, have always been going on, but the corridor gets is getting kind of rough in terms of traffic, just nothing special. And so something just important to factor in. However, for Union City, as you saw from the chart, if you're looking at single family homes. You know, it's competitive, but it's not unrealistic. Like I've done comps recently. I have, I have several clients looking in the Union City, Newark, kind of Fremont area. They're selling for about what they should sell for. And what I mean by that, if you if you look at what has sold in the last three months, they're pretty much going around that price. So there's nothing too crazy. There's all there's more, there's there's offers. And then I'm gonna go over a video sometime in the near near future of the next couple of weeks. Like, how am I winning in a multiple offer situation? I'm not overbidding because I know what others are bidding for. And that's the key to success. I, I'm basically playing poker with my with the hands open. But um, it's it's not like they're, they're not huge jumps or huge surprises. Let's say that there are very, very few surprises today. If there are, I would I would just say that those are more outliers, but it's not consistent. Like, oh, wow. How did this person do it? If there is an outlier outlier. And, um, you know, I have a client that we unfortunately lost one. The reason for that one that we lost and which sold for way more than the listing agent or myself, I kind of predicted was because they had some really close family ties they want to live next to. So they wanted to be really close to family. So they're willing to pay a premium just to make sure they get it so that they're walking distance from one another. All right. So you have things like that, which like, you know, it's not even, they don't care from an investment perspective anymore, right? They want there's much, much deeper ties, which there's nothing you can do. And you should just move on with that, which we did because that's out of your control in those kind of situations. But outside of that, it's been actually very, very realistic of, as to what things will go for. So no, there's not very, very few surprises today. 
if you did your homework and you were prepared. Okay, let's look at Contra Costa County. Contra Costa County, uh, October has basically matched close to August. Contra Costa County average price point for a single family house is about a million dollars today. So it's been relatively flat for the last several months, but it hasn't been a big increase over the over um, when shelter in place first happened. I mean, this is a, a good, a pretty good jump. It's about 15% or so, if not 20%. Condos, townhomes, you can see compared to earlier this year, same amount. So you see a few stories, right? Condos, townhomes, you know, it is what it is. Um, they're selling at basically the same prices, you know, as it was before. But it's remember, it's a benefit. At the end of the day, it's what is your monthly expenses. And if you're in your monthly expenses, will certainly have dropped during this time because of the low interest rates. So it's still very, very good for buyers that are getting away from the rental side, but can't afford or don't want to afford a single family house. All right, let's take a look at San Francisco. San Francisco, October. Um, unfortunately for single family homes, I tried to pull it up. There was this crazy one that somebody typed in on accident, and I'll just share the story, that completely screwed up the numbers. There's one house that was supposed to sell for 1.9 million, but they made a giant typo and they, they made it. I, I mean, this is just foolish. They, they put it in the MLS as sold for $190 million. Cause I looked at it. I was like, this makes no sense. What kind of house sells for $190 million in San Francisco. And so it was a giant typo of what it was. And that, that messes everything up. So hopefully that agent, um, if someone knows that agent, reach out to them, tell them to fix it. Cause that's, that's really, uh, uh, sloppy and embarrassing, but you know, we all make mistakes. Um, but either way, I think likely it probably had a decline from September, but probably not so much. I would say it's roughly around one nine still as the average price for single family. Looking at condos, um, condos, you know, the number that are active is at 14, a little under, a little over 1400. And there's three, uh, 413 homes that are pending and contingent. And there's 254 homes that have been sold, which is much lower than even the last couple of months. The average price points have declined since uh, when we started tracking in June to about 1.28, but it's still about the same as it was back in May. So this is a decline. It's about a mm, couple percent, three or four percent. It's not a steep decline, but as you can see, there is a lot of options to choose from. So for those that are considering to buy in San Francisco, I think long-term San Francisco is always going to be a desirable place for a lot of people. As prices drop, as you can see, as rental property uh, rental prices drop, people will be bound to want to come back when things are open, which things are starting to be open. So it gives people a lot of options. Like if you have a hard, hard time today finding a property in San Francisco, I would say you're going to have to change your parameters, right? Because this is the most it has ever been in the last Sorry, the most it has been in the last 15 years. So just keep that in mind. If you're having problems right now, which I have many clients that are, I'm talking to you guys, uh, you're going to have to kind of change your parameters and just be more open, right? I mean, you can't, if you have a hard pro time problem now trying to find a property, pretty much every property and every building is on the market at this time. So you got to you gotta change the expectations then. That's, the, that's my half joke uh, there. If you look at a uh, single family though, 445 that are active uh, at this time, 281 that went contingent and pending. So still good number. Not uh, it's still it's still a pretty good number. Number is still 258. It's still moving along for residential homes.
And uh, last but not least, let's take a look at Marin County. So Marin County has was one of the hottest markets as well. Um, as you can see, if you compare it back to like the April timeframe when it went for $1.55 million and September was one of the highest points, $1.84 million, it has dropped to now $1.7 million. Things have cooled down. It's still higher than it was in April, but it has slowed down versus like July, August, September. I think that the frenzy has slowed down for sure uh, in that market. We have 210 that are sold, a little bit less than before, 330 active pending, uh, 330 that are active on the market, and 285 pending. So not a lot to choose from, though. So something just to be aware of. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed this latest uh, market update. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. It means a whole lot. I think I'm at 470 subscribers. So if you are watching this on social media, follow me on uh, YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. If you're watching it on YouTube, thank you for tuning in as usual. If you haven't subscribed, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Uh, hit the notification bell as well. You'll be notified every time I release a new video. And if there's anything that you want me to comment on or have a story on or, or, or tip on, feel free to leave it in the comments below. I read every single comment. I reply to every single comment as well. Uh, really respect your time for this. Uh, it means a whole lot. It's been uh, fantastic so far. And uh, hopefully we'll close out the next two months with uh, a, a few more transactions. But if there's anything else, of course, reach out anytime. Happy to have a conversation. And then we can figure out your scenario. Looking forward to the next one. Have a good weekend. Bye now. Thank you so much for making it to the very end of my podcast. If you are tired of renting in the Bay Area, are a homeowner looking to do a trade-up for a bigger home, or are a real estate investor, I would love to connect. Click on the Calendly link and let's set up a time to talk. It's never too early to talk about options and to work out a game plan. I also do have an email newsletter, so sign up on the link in the show notes, or you're welcome to watch all of my content on YouTube. See you at the next one.